Hello and welcome to episode 1141 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Monday, February 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by a potentially sick Justin Mason. Justin, how's it going? <laughs> oh, you know, uh, my my youngest started preschool um, uh, last week. So, of course, a germ factory sick. And yeah, so both my kids are homesick. Pretty much just handed him lunch and said, I'm going to go record. So entertain yourselves for the next hour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not the time you want, you know, the unofficial beginning of the fantasy season here with the Super Bowl being over. You're not trying to be laid up for a couple days being sick. So I totally feel that um, not a child. I'm not suggesting that this is equal when I say that my girlfriend had the same situation. Um, but, yeah, she comes in and says, oh, I think I'm I'm not feeling well. And so then I'm in my head like, uh, am I feeling it too in my throat? I hope not. Not oh, for me, the first thought is like, get away from me. Yeah. I'm traveling to New York in a month and potentially Vegas in a month. And I, I don't want to like get something that like prevents me from getting on an airplane. I Plus, totally feel know, that. I'm, I'm writing like, you know, eight times a week right now and podcasting six or seven times a week. Like I cannot <laughs> afford to like, uh, to miss any time right now. So no, I, I, I feel that completely. Um, do not, do not want to be sick right That My window for being sick has passed. Cause again, as we always say, this is the unofficial beginning of the season. Uh, once the Super Bowl ends. And so body, you got to hold up now. I, I don't want to hear it. Uh, if you're trying to be sick, uh, figure that out some other way. Cause I'm going to push through, uh, today we begin a journey, which I think will be probably a three, maybe four episode journey through mm -hmm. these starting pitchers. And it's one of our favorite positions to break down, obviously, because, you know, you can go so many different ways. After those first, after like these, the guys we're going to talk about today, the top 25 things open, open up completely. We talk about globs and uh, of talent and how you can differ. And, and you're really, your season is kind of won and lost in the pitcher pool, depending on what you hit on later. Now, obviously, Everyone kind of has their own guys too. That's why pitcher rankings can be so interesting because you're like, well, you know, we have a 50 point split on a guy, but you can make a much easier case than you can for somebody for, for hitter differences like that. Right. Because I think the, the hitter talent is kind of a bit more static, obviously guys ebb and flow and there's, there's breakouts, but with pitchers, you'd be like, well, I think he's going to refine his command. He's going to change this pitch. He's going to ditch this pitch and it's going to be a breakout or this pitch sucks. He can't stay healthy. I think he's going to be terrible. So you can do a lot of different things. But these first 25, pretty well agreed upon. We are pretty tight on this group with ADP, but we'll have some differences here and there within. Let's put the unicorn off to the side first. So let's just go ahead and, and get him. He is technically by ADP, the number one starter going, uh, <laughs> Shohei Otani. But obviously that is for a much different reason and primarily for his hitting. So I guess the real question with Otani and we talked a bit about this uh, throughout the offseason is based on how well he pitched last year and the way that there was more pitching or excuse me, more hitting available on the waiver pool than normal. How often do you expect to use Otani if you get him as a pitcher in a league where you have to choose at the beginning of the week? I think more often than I have in previous years, just because the Angels have said they're going to try to start him more. And for good reason, this is probably the last year he's an Angel. So why not yeah. get as much out of him as possible? So I think they're going to be uh, potential two-start weeks, which is something we haven't seen from Otani uh, previously, uh, and just more overall volume uh, as they try to get every ounce of talent out of him in potentially his last season as an Angel. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he is extremely valuable this year. I haven't quite narrowed down in leagues where he is both a hitter and pitcher in a weekly format or NFBC format, whether or not I think he's a top five player. But I think uh, I think there is an argument that exists for that. Um, and so obviously in daily moves leagues, he's the number one player overall. Um, and there is no debate. Like there, there is yeah. no debate. He, he comes out to being like a pretty much like a $30 hitter and a $20 pitcher in like 12 team leagues. And there are no $50 players. So like, and it's not even, it's not even particularly close. Someone just, might become a $50 player, but not by projection, right? Like yeah. that is what you're saying. Cause like, I'm sure judge was pretty close to that last year and somebody might have a judge season, but Otani is that dude 
And in daily leagues, right. you just you're trying too hard if you take anybody but him. Even with Judge having the amazing season you did, I think he was a fifty-five dollar player. Okay. Like and so, so like I mean Otani is like almost always going to outperform every single player in fantasy, even those who have like just these massive breakout years. Mm-hmm. So uh I just think, yeah, I mean daily moves leagues, it's not even close. You and I are in auto new draft and we, we like paid spent, up an unreal amount of money on Otani because it's a daily moves format. And we can use them in both spots. Gives you an extra roster spot to use somewhere else. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love Otani. I have no problem with him as a top five pick in weekly leagues. Uh, if you're talking just in leagues like Yahoo, where in tout wars for us, um, you know, where he has to be, there's a pitcher version and a hitter version. I still mm-hmm. think he's a top 25 starter. Um, yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I've got I've got him pretty high as as you know just a starter for Otani. So I'm with you there, and I think you have him exactly 24. So you're like right there yeah. in the top 20. So yeah, don't don't think that just because he's split up into two different players that you can't still be in on pitcher Otani. He showed how great he can be, and obviously there's still injury concerns as they are with anybody, and because he does everything, maybe his injury concerns are heightened uh, by being out there, but. You just can't get much better than Otani on either side of the ball. He's just so freaking brilliant. Yeah. All right. Let's move on then and get into the more standard issue, guys, and start with the guy who we're calling number one uh, at, among ADP for pitchers, and that's Corbin Burns. And you have him one. I have him one. So we are in lockstep there with the ADP market. I don't want to say he's boring or anything. He's been, you know, first off, he's relatively fresh to being a stud, but it just feels like, yep, he's the dude, punch it and go. He's not really going super high right now. Uh, in fact, I think he's, his ADP is out of the first round. Where do you suspect that's going to fall as the uh, draft season goes? Because we know the closer you get into the main events and everything, pitchers start to go up at the NFBC because people want to secure their pitching. With a 17 ADP right now, Burns is on that turn area, 16.63, rounded up to 17. Are you taking Burns in the first round if you have one of those late picks, or are you hoping to get him on the wrap for now? Um, I have no problem taking him as a top 10 guy. Uh, you know, it kind of just depends on how I want to build my team uh, in each particular draft. For instance, I started a draft late last night, early today. I got to make my first picks. I think, yeah, late last night. Uh, And I had the wheel. I have the 15-16 turn. And I was really, really hoping that both of them would make it to me. And by ADP, there was a chance because I was going to just double tap on both Burns and Cole at 15-16 just to kind of see how that build went. That would have been been pretty cool. And, I mean, that's what I did at the AFL, but I really wanted to do it in kind of a money league where there's something on the line. Uh, Unfortunately, both went. 13-14, 13-14, and so I ended up with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and uh, Manny Machado, which I'm st- still Nothing fine. wrong with that. Yeah, still fine with like that kind of turn. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think both of them are going to be top 10 picks as we start getting like main event season and uh, March drafts. Uh, I have no problem with that. I also have no problem fading pitching in the first two rounds because uh, pitching runs so deep this year that you can build a, a pretty good start to a rotation in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. So um, I have had a lot of different uh, builds this year, some that have included Burns and Cole, and then some that I said, hey, you know what, I'm starting off my rotation with Alec Manoa or Zach Gallen in the fifth and sixth round. So, Yeah, I got. I don't really have too much, uh, too many issues with everything you're saying there in terms of going for a Burns and maybe even a Cole, although Cole's not my number two, but going for my top pitchers there in that latter third of the first round, which these are 15 team leagues that we're talking about. So in that, in those last five picks there, I don't mind it. I like that there's a little bit of a discount on them right now, but like I said, that will evaporate in the NFBC market for sure. You know your league better, so if your league doesn't take starting pitchers early, you're going to know mm-hmm. that uh, that you can wait on them even longer if you want. But I do and think – oh, go ahead. I was just saying, the more shallow a league, the less I would prioritize a starting pitching. Absolutely. So like in your 10-team leagues and 12-team leagues, don't worry about taking Burns or Cole super early because you're going to have – so much more depth at the position than you will in a 15 team league. So if you, yeah, if you're playing in a 10 team league, like 
I'm not touching a starting pitcher till fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Like I just probably not going to even worry about that until then. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And, and part of why guys push up in the main event is to secure that pitching in a 15-team league where it can be hard to get such premium pitching. Let's talk about that number two guy in the ADP market, and that is Garrett Cole. And I do, you know, I don't have him like way off. I got him down at four. I will say, though, I am a little bit concerned about the, the persistent home run issue. He's still a workhorse, still a strikeout god. Um, should still be in line to get teens wins. I mean, he only had 13 last year, but that's wins are just kind of down in, in, in the universe these days, uh, 16, the year before split the difference there. I think 14, 15 makes sense. He led baseball in strikeouts at 257, but led the American league in homers with 33. And so that's where I get a little bit of my concern with Cole. And that's what put him at four. He's still two for you. Like I said, not a huge difference here, but are, are you thinking that he improves the home run issue or does he do so well with his whip, which was still very good strikeouts and maybe even his wins that you're just not concerned about Garrett Cole's home run problems? Um, I mean, it, I'm surprised that you're not on board with me here considering your gray beanie looks like a tinfoil hat, but I'm all for tinfoil hat club. Oh, think says, of that. I, I see where you're going. Go yeah, ahead. which says that if Aaron Judge got Goldilocks balls, they weren't just giving it to him during Aaron Judge's at bats. They were just in it, those Yankee games. They were in those games. Um, okay. And uh, and I think it was Alex Fast on on the Pitcherless podcast uh, said that I think five of the home runs that Garrett Cole gave up were like games where Aaron Judge also homered. Um, so like I I do think they. Uh, maybe it wasn't on purpose, you know, and Derek Van Riper were talking about this, that it may have just been like a juiced batch. I, I'm, I'm maybe not giving as much credit um, as you know, and Derek is, but they're nicer uh, than us. I think also MLB is going to be a little bit more on their P's and Q's this year. And I think it's going to be a more even ball okay. distribution uh, for New York. And I think that Garrett Cole's home runs come down and like counterpoint with, though. Yeah. 1.3 homer nine in 2020 through 21. So are we thinking that he was getting? I mean, I think he's still going to have an elevated home run rate from where maybe he used to be, but like okay. it's not going to be nearly as bad as it was last year. Uh, I think that was a bit fluky, and I think he's going to be better. I think there's arguments for him to be the number one pitcher in baseball. The Yankees are now not are playing a more balanced schedule and having to play all these teams in their division that are all really good. Um, and he's on the Yankees where he should rebound a ton in wins. Like this is a really, really good team. Uh, I think he is one of the guys that it, if I said, if you told me there was going to be one player in the American league that wins 20 games, I think Garrett Cole has to be at the top of that list. And so no, I'm not projecting that by any no, imagination. But he's got the skill and the team yeah. support. So I see what you're saying Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with that. All right, let's go to ADP number four. The Iron Horse, Sandy Alcantara. People are trying out the same old arguments as last year about the strikeout rate. Um, the team context I get, you know, that that will have a potential to stifle his wins, but he did pop 14 last year, his first time over nine. Um, I, I grant a little bit of concern there if you're projecting him for like 12 or something uh, when you got most of the aces up in, the, in that 14, 15 range perhaps. But you just... You, you can't argue the innings as far as I'm concerned. Um, I basically give him credit for three 200 inning seasons, 197 in one of them. Well, you know, I'm rounding up for him, but then 206 and 229 last year led baseball. So, again, a point we make regularly yeah, his strikeout rate is low, but he has over 200 strikeouts the last two years. The volume counters that. So, I just don't even think it's a particularly valid argument. I still really love Sandy. I was paying the premium last year when he was on the up and comer. And I'm, I'm here again this year, ready to go with him, although he does kind of fall down my rankings a bit. I think relative yeah. to other guys. I'm actually really surprised by this. Yeah, this, this is, year. you don't even have him as a top 10 starter. So clearly How you are he? part of the, I am uh, the, I I'm the hater Sandy. now. Yeah, you you are in, insane, my friend. What, what I don't get, uh, though. Okay, this is, again. It's because he doesn't get the strikeouts. Now, but I gave, you, I gave him 219. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like You're giving other guys who do get strikeouts enough innings where they're just going to vault over him and the wins, the wins are a really big issue. Yeah. I gave um, 12 and everyone else has, you know, 13, 14. Yeah. And so I think that becomes part of the problem. Here is the thing about Sandy Alcantara. So Alcantara, Alcantara, I can never remember. It's Alcantara um, with him. 
All right, when, when, when Eris Mendy came around, we learned that Alcantara mm-hmm. was a pronunciation of that. So I thought they all were. Sandia's Alcantara. All right. That's what I thought. Um, so there are some interesting um, red flags with Alcantara. One, he's just had an amazing amount of workload. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how long can a guy, you know, maybe he is a unicorn and can just continue to pitch. Uh, and pitch and pitch in the same way that we saw Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander do for a really long time. They didn't break down until they're like, you know, 30s. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't know that we want to say that Alcantara is going to break down. I do have a little bit of worry about that infield defense and now the shift stuff. Um, and maybe he won't be as efficient as he has been in the past. That being said, he has an unbelievably high floor. And one of the things I'm looking for in a starting pitcher, if I'm taking a top five, top 10 starting pitcher, is a guy I think has a pretty good safe floor. And I think Alcantara has that. And so, like, I have no problem with where he's going. I'm probably not going to end up with him because I'm either taking Burns or Cole or I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. But I have no qualms about drafting him. I have him as my number, I think. You got him as your five. Or my five. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like, this is interesting. Like I said, I, this is why I love this exercise of doing – the projections because I sit there saying like, oh, people are r- ragging him because of the K's, but he gets enough. Even with 219, yeah, he checked out 11th on my board, 303 ERA, 104 whip. I don't have him being bad, but the guys I got around him, they're all out striking. You know, they're they're outdoing him with the strikeouts. Um, I wonder how ratios. much one win would I, I bet it would be pretty substantial because I gave because him only 12. I, I have him as 13, and he ends up being my uh, fifth starter. So I bet you that him, one win uh, moves him up quite a bit. Let me give it to him and see where it goes. But for me, he's kind of perfectly placed. Like, yeah. I have him right in front Sixth. of... Yeah, see, there you go. Uh, I have him right in front of guys who I really like, but are a lot more risky, right? Right in front of Justin Verlander, right mm-hmm. in front of Shane McClanahan, in front of Manoa and Max Scherzer and Aaron Nola. Like, I just think he has a much safer floor than some of those guys, uh, as opposed to maybe have he doesn't have the ceiling that the other guys do, though. See that, and that's where I kind of disagree. I think I think Alcantara does have the ceiling because I really think that there is a world where he, he learns to have more strikeouts with his stuff. Like it takes the next sure. level where he starts to miss bats with that slider. And, you know, I don't think he wants to shift to that and start, you know, getting in seven, eight, nine pitch at bats all the time. I think right now he's happy to take a quick plate appearance, ground out, no problem. But it, like you said, if the defense starts failing him, maybe Alcantara starts to push for strikeouts more. It might shave the innings back a little bit because he's using a little bit, a few more pitches. But if the K rate goes up, then it could be all right there. So, turns out I don't dislike him. It really was just that that one win moved him right yeah. up to like right where you, you have it. So that's a good call. The, be- the beauty of doing these projections is you really see like how much just a little bit of tweak. You know, for instance, like I tweaked uh, Brady Singer's projection last night and Spencer Strider's, and it, it dropped Brady Singer, and it was just a little tweak. I mean, it was like taking away five innings and giving him a little bit Tank. higher of a hit rate, and it dropped him from like a top 30 starter to outside my top 40 really, really fast. Wow. Spencer Strider kind of the other way. Like I added Spencer, I added some innings for Spencer Strider, and it took him from being a guy who was outside of my you know, top 35 to inside of my top 20. Um, so like these little tweaks mean a lot from they really do. They really do. And and like you said, it, it's it's really fun learning that by doing this uh this whole thing here. So speaking of which while we're on this uh per uh term projections, I will be posting my projections today inside of the Discord. Or sorry, team. sorry, in uh inside of the Patreon. Okay. Um and inside of the Discord tonight, I will start posting stuff for listener league. So if you are part of the Patreon and part of the discord tier, which I think is a $4 and 20 cent tier listener mm-hmm. league should be going up tonight. Um, and then uh, projections and ranks will be going on the ranks and projections tier. Uh, and those will be available in the Patreon tonight. And then I'll have mine up pretty soon. I don't know if they'll finish them today, but then probably tomorrow I'm still working on some uh, lower level SPs there to get everything in order. And then we got something planned for the site as well. So stay tuned. Uh, all right, moving on to our next guy here. Let me go back and find my sheet. It would be 
old guys. The, el- the elder questions. Yes, the guys with some uh, with some question marks. Jacob Degrom, Justin Verlander, and Max Scherzer. So now we're veering off a little bit from just going straight ADP order, and I'm grouping guys by kind of their type. By ADP, Jacob Degrom is the fourth starter off the board again, putting Otani off to the side. Technically, the fifth, but um, he's four. Scherzer and Verlander. Uh, Verlander goes. 11 and Scherzer 12. The two Mets go right by each other. Let's start with DeGrom. He's your number three pitcher. He's my number three pitcher. Going back to what we just said about the projections and understanding like, um, you know, how much things are actually worth. I only gave him 150 innings. I did not expect him to be number three when I did it, but based on what I think he's going to do, and you put 140 innings, even 10 fewer than me, we did not pretend that he's just going to be magically healthy it's just that pitch for pitch, inning for inning, Jacob deGrom is such a god. So we know that. But the question I have for you, though, are you taking him? Are you looking to pay that premium for him at all? I have not. Um, and it's one, I haven't had the opportunity to. I've not had any early draft picks this year. And so, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, so I have not had the opportunity, like at the back end of the second round or early third, uh, to take him. Um, I had this dream scenario in my head in this current draft that I'm in, like, hey, like if I get I start with Vlad and Machado, if if DeGrom makes it to me in the back end of the third round, I'm taking him. Of course he didn't. Like, no. He was he, he was gone on the two three turn. Uh, but I I'm open to it in leagues where uh, the more shallow the league, the more likely I'm going to do it. In a 10-team league, no problem doing it. 12-team league, no problem doing it. In a 15-team league, while the pitching pool is deeper, there are huge drop-offs, and there won't be a ton of replacement value. I'm going to have a really hard time pulling that trigger in uh, in a league like um, the main event or even a 15-team DC. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I get that with the Grom and, and being nervous to put – the big, the 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 big uh, spend on him, and then he pops again, and you, you feel like you're lost. But I I do think that like safety with pitchers is a bit of a myth. So give me the guys who are the most talented, and and I think there is a world where I, I'm at least open to taking Degrom. Now we're gonna get some information, right? Because pitchers and catchers are gonna report. He'll be pitching in spring. If you see a healthy spring from him, does that? Does that up your confidence? Or are you just still going to always have that rain cloud kind of holding over with the Grom? It'll up my confidence, but it's going to up everybody else's confidence. I know that's more. true. Like, it'll it'll up the price to like number one SP. Like he'll go saw, number one. Yeah. We saw this last year where I got him in a league on the two, three turn in February. So it was a 15 team league. I took him at pick 30 or 31. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we started main event drafts in Vegas, um, he was a top seven pick. And like, I'm just never going to get to that point. I'm never going. Cause I, like I talk about like my, either. Not that high. Yeah, my first round in really my second round too, are guys. I feel really comfortable about their floor, not about their ceiling because everybody's a stud in the first two rounds. Like I mm-hmm. want the guy that I feel is most likely to return that stud value. And as much as I love DeGrom, he is probably the least likely to return that stud value uh, because of his injury history. So uh, that being said, on like you said, on a per inning, play to, or per inning basis, he is the best pitcher in baseball. It's not even close. He's my number three pitcher with 140 innings. Um, if I gave him 150, he'd be my number one probably. So it, Not even close, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, in fact, my initial projection, he was number one. Took a little bit more of a sober look as okay, I think I'm giving him like full credit for everything DeGrom's done. So I tweaked it a little bit, ended up number three for both of us. So we'll see. I, I, I'm probably not a mid first round for him either, but that's where he is going to go. If he does have a big spring, you're 100% right there. Yeah. Let's talk about the two Mets. Justin Verlander is joining his former teammate uh, from when they were in Detroit, uh, Max Scherzer. And, you know, they're a couple of oldies, but they're they're also unicorns in their own way, too, because you usually just don't see guys at 38 and 40 doing this kind of work and going this high in ADP. Now, they are uh, lower than we both have them in our rankings. I mean, Justin Verlander is my number two pitcher. He's uh, six for you, five and ten for Max, respectively, and they're 11 and 12 in the ADP market. So given that we're so much higher 
how are you feeling about Verlander? I know you're saying that you might wait if you don't get one of those early guys. Do you think you want to go back to the Verlander? Well, I mean, he was so wonderful. There's nothing in his game to suggest that he can't go put out another brilliant season. It's just that four at the beginning of his age that I think it's just a difficult pill to swallow in fantasy sports. I mean, he did kind of struggle with injury down the stretch and like, there are kind of red flags in the skills. Like he's just not the same overpowering guy that he used to be. That being said, like he's been really good. Um, and it's hard to not just look at the results and go, well, he's probably just going to be really good. I lowered Max Scherzer's projection last night um, a little bit. Uh, and that's what dropped him kind of to 10. I may do the same with Verlander. Cause I think I feel a little bit more comfortable with Scherzer than I do with Verlander, because I think Scherzer, it's just a matter of what kind of innings totals we get. Whereas Verlander, I do see a little degradation in the skills. Uh, and so I do worry that things could just eventually fall apart uh, for him completely. Whereas Scherzer, I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be an elite pitcher. I honestly think he's one of the guys I really want to target this year in draft. So, um, yeah, I think I need to kind of lower my projection just a little bit on Verlander because I don't feel super comfortable drafting him at the, even close to that spot. I'm going to raise mine to counter you. because I, I hope you do. Yeah, make, make him your number one player overall. I think um, when I was on talking with him on PitchCon, I think Scott White said that Verlander is his number one pitcher. I, so, I mean, uh, I don't necessarily have an issue with it because you look at the skills and you, or I mean, you look at like what he's able to do on the mound. And it's a, it's a strikeout rate. You got some concerns with, I imagine, right? Because the strikeout rate, the innings, um, you know, some execution uh, of pitches. Um, like he's just not, I mean, he's 40 something and he's had a plethora of injuries the last few years. Like he's just not the same guy. Like I think if you, I think if his name was Justin Mason as opposed to Justin Verlander, he probably wouldn't be a top 10 starting or pro- he probably wouldn't be a top 15 starting pitcher off the board. I don't know. He's where is he going? He's going 16. So I mean, that's inside top 15. So um, he would though, because this, the, the performance that we saw, you know, he's, he's the reigning Cy Young. I mean, obviously you're regressing that 175 ERA, but yeah, I don't absolutely. know, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the K's turned back up, you know, he's got uh, a better park now he's, he's moving and the AL and NL move is not the same thing. Well, I but I mean I I always give the guys a little bump when they move AL to NL. Yeah, I'm because, saying it's it's not oh, as big of a deal anymore though because there's no because there's the oh because actually that's all I'm saying. Yeah, the the National League's actually better hitters yeah. um, because it's, it's, of City's a good part, and, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. City's a good part. Um, man, so hard. Like I, no, I I get you, and I'm not trying to talk you to move him or keep him up there or anything. I, I I hear you, and you know sometimes I think I need a reality check. He's like my favorite pitcher ever, so it, I'm definitely I think the biased hard, toward Verlander. I think the hard part for me is one of the reasons I do the project. I'm doing the projections the way I'm doing it is to take out my bias, right? Is to and so when I take out my bias, he's my number six pitcher. But there's something that makes me feel so uneasy about him. Um, as like my sp1 i think if i do draft verlander i'm gonna double tap on another like sp1 like i uh and that's probably not gonna happen for me this year so because i don't want to spend two early picks on starting pitchers like that you gave him more innings than i did i know i gave him 180 i gave him 165 but a 289 ERA, whereas you're over three with him, not crazily over three, but you're over three. And I gave him a 0.82 whip for Verlander. You did 0.99. That's a big difference. That's a big difference between us. And if I'm being honest, just kind of eyeballing it, I probably need to go up a little bit. Although I will say the last time that he was above 0.83 was 2017. 0.9, 0.8, 0.67 in the, I mean, that's six innings. 2020 wouldn't, wouldn't matter even if it was a full season, let alone the fact that Verlander threw six innings. But then 0.83 last year. That said, I have him going down to 0.82. I should probably at least bump it to like 0.9. I think I will do that a little bit so Verlander won't be my number two. Um, but I'm going to stick with everything else. 165 innings, 176 strikeouts, 289 ERA. And I'm open to taking him. Like I said, I, and- I don't I don't believe pitcher safety is – I don't really believe in it that much in terms of like – Guys that that are all that safe due to their health, so I'm gonna I'll take the guy who's just uber skilled. And I think one of the things we need I want to kind of just double down on with you, um, in that is 
everybody past Cole and Burns has a red flag. I mean, and I, we already I talked about right. a we already talked about a red flag with Cole, right? The home run rate. Yeah. But like you, you can't like just sit there and go. Well, obviously, Degrom has red flag. Alcantara's red flag. Spencer Strider definitely has red flags. Um, you know, Aaron Nolas had bad years. Woodruff's had you know bad start to the year last year. Dylan Cease is Dylan Cease. Like Carlos Rodon is injury history. Like. It's a matter of picking and choosing what red flags are important to you. That's true. I think I think that's definitely fair. Uh, with Scherzer, we don't have to spend too much time on him. I, I agree with you that he's you know pound for pound god when he's pitching. How many innings did you give him though? Because I think we're in his Kershaw phase where you can't really go above a certain number. I think it's higher than Kershaw, but like I'm not putting him for another 180 at this point. Yeah, I originally had him at like 170 or 175. I dropped it last night <laughs> to 155, and that dropped him from being my number like three or four starting pitcher to number 10. Okay. Um, I still think on a per inning basis, he's fantastic. Like I think yeah, he's exactly. going to be really, really good, but w- one of the absolute best still, you, you can't, you can't yeah. really bet against Scherzer. Um, okay. So I, I moved Verlander, moved his whip, moves him down to four. Um, and then he, so sure. I have Scherzer, uh, Verlander Scherzer at four or five. So the oldies, I mean, it feels weird having old guys that high. But uh, they're so good. They're so yeah. damn good. All right, let's move on to the newcomers then. The, the other end of it. Spencer Strider, Dylan Cease, Shane McClanahan. Let's start with Spencer Strider because you want to talk about on a per inning basis. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get too much better here. Now, we're split, though. We're split quite a bit. I got him six. You got him 17. You're probably taking a more sober look at it, but I got 161 innings with 233 strikeouts, which is just obscene. 274 ERA, 106 whip. I understand the two-pitch thing, but when they're both 70-grade pitches, I'm not sure it's that big of a problem. Where do you come out with, with Strider? Not that your 17 ranking is, is egregious or anything either. I think, if anything, I'm just higher because the, the market says 11. <clears throat> oh, no, excuse me. The market says 5. Wow. Okay, so I'm actually a little bit below the market, and then you're well below the market. What are your concerns with Strider? Is it just too much too soon? Yeah, I just think that he, I mean, a little bit of sophomore slump, a little bit of, you know, guys finally getting a look at him a second, third, fourth time. Uh, and I just think it's so hard to be that good uh, that quickly and maintain it all. Uh, I, I mean, I think he's going to be a strikeout god. Um, and I think it really depends on how many innings do we think we're getting from Spencer Strider. And that was the original reason I had him outside my top 30 was I was projecting for like 139 innings or something like that. Well, when I bumped that up, he just starts vaulting up the uh, the kind of ranks because I think he is just such a huge strikeout uh, guy. And I could end up having him really well as... Him, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, but like I'm just I looking know. at the projection, the other projection systems, right? That are more, um, you know, uh, algorithm based and everything. The bat, he's the number four guy, ATC, he's six. So you kind of you're 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 against the grain here with Strider for sure. And I'm not saying that to like say you're wrong or 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 coax you out of out of being that, just pointing out that like even though you didn't give him an egregious rank or what I would I wouldn't say it's a bad projection, you are you are pretty low on him, which means you're pretty much out. I mean, I think it comes down to uh I'm surprised where's ATC have him? ATC, and that's why I look too, because it's the aggregator. Um has him six or eight, wow. eight, eight, excuse me, eight. I wonder, I wonder if they must have him. Do they have him with like an obs- they don't have they, none of them have an obscene strikeout rate? Um, no, I think our strikeout rate for him might be actually higher. They got him for like low threes ERAs. The highest ERA that any projection system has is 316 for zips. The whips are all like low 1.1s. The highest anyone has is 1.12, and that's a steamer. And, you know, uh, 33%, 34% K rate in 150-ish type innings. The bat has 167, which is a bit closer to where I'm at. Uh, I put I put Strider up at 161. And so, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think I'm just so wowed by how great he is that maybe I'm overlooking, uh, you know, a little bit of the size concern. You know, can he hold up to the rigors of even 160, let alone more than that? And the, like I said, with the two-pitch thing – Normally, when a guy's a two-pitch guy, he has like his A pitch and then his B pitch that isn't quite as good, like Freddie Peralta, for example. That's not really the case with Strider, right? Like, I, I think the fastball and the slide, I think the fastball is probably an 
arguably an 80 grade pitch. And then the slider is, I think, at least a 60, 65, if not a 70. And so when you've got two pitches like that, it just doesn't necessarily matter. Ah, uh, you know what it is. I figured it out. Um, it's the wins. I didn't update his wins. So, okay. How many did you have him for? I have him for 12. So Okay, so are you moving him up? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna move him up for sure. Um, so like like we just found out with my Alcantara rank, even if you just mm-hmm. go to 14, that's probably gonna put you into the single digits with him. So you're not as far out on an island. Because again, your ranking is not egregious at all. Like in fact, it is in line with everything. 319, 108, 225 Ks and 155 innings. Yeah, both that's, ATC that's and about half of them for 13 wins. I think um, that just and- that one win alone is gonna jump him, let alone if you yeah. say 14 because he's a brave or something. All yeah, right, I well, think 13 is going to be the right call here. Okay, let's move on to Cease because I got a bit more concern about him than I do somebody like Strider. And looking at Cease, he is – let me get to it real quick here. Pardon me. He is eighth off the board. You have him 20. I have him 25. We are not in lockstep with the market here. And I think it comes down to the command. Right, I just I, I am nervous about the command. I think it creates a much wider range of outcomes that I'm not sure the market is is taking on. He led baseball in walks. I'm sorry, like that's that's something I just can't overlook and and take him as a top ten pitcher when he has that big of a flaw. What do you think of Dylan Cease? Um, yeah, I I worry about Dylan Cease being a, a two pitch guy and. I worry about the control and the command. Um, I just, I think he is being overdrafted for what he, for, for the downside. Like, I feel like the downside is so high that I'm super worried about uh, taking over guys like Max Free, taking over guys like Luis Castillo, um, or even Julio Urias, like guys who, who have a much safer floor. Uh, Nick Pollock will be avenged this year. Remember, he was kind of <laughs> the anti-Cease guy. It didn't exactly work out. But I think this year, I, I am fading him against the market because ADP 8 uh, among starters for Dylan Cease is is it's just really high for me. I got him for a 369 ERA, 117 whip, 243 punches in 190 innings. But I, I, I can't really do much more than that. Uh, by the way, Strader's now up to my 14th starting pitcher. So. Okay, so that 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 got one win got him a nice jump yeah. there, just off off rib there. Yeah, um, I just for me with I Cease, just, I, with Cease, I just worry about the command and control becoming a real issue for him. And neither um, of us gave him a bad projection. Again, like no. 346, 119 for you in 190 innings with 230 Ks. Like that's I even gave bad. him 14 wins. Like so, I you, mean, yeah, and I only gave him 12. If I gave him 14, I'd probably be closer to where you're at. But I don't think he's bad. I like him. I just think his range of outcomes is much wider when you have poor command. He has 45, like 45 grade command, uh, maybe even 40. And that just creates creates a range. And honestly, I'm also looking at something like Sierra, and I see a 348 there compared to his 220 ERA. That's skill interactive ERA. It's, it's another thing like FIP. His FIP even is 310. Even that's 90 points higher than his ERA. And so I just I think the market is is just paying full price for what he did last year, and it's a mistake. I think part of the issue too is that every fantasy player, not every, a lot of fantasy players. Um, have a blind spot for run scored and whip. Um, and they don't pay yep. enough attention to when a whip is mediocre, which last year it was for him. Right, relative whip, to the ERA, right? Because a 111 whip on its face isn't bad. But when you're talking about with it, a 220 ERA, it does it, not hold up. And it, but it's bad comparatively speaking to other guys who are SP1s. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Like, relative, yeah. like on its face, a, a 111, you can live. Yeah, no, it. it's. That's but totally fine. You're but not, not going to maintain when, a 220 ERA with a 111. Yeah, not when ERA you're taking him. Not when you're taking him as a top 10 starter. Yeah, like this is still Dylan Cease we're talking about here, by the way. And uh, I feel like Cease is much more likely to be closer to the 125 whip we saw in 2021 than he is to the 111 whip. And so I think that becomes then he becomes a whip, um, you know, detractor. Pain. Like yeah. you know, he's actually going to be hurting, actively hurting you in a category. Uh, and then what if the White Sox are bad again? Like, and they might what be, if, dude. I, I do not mess with what I they got think going on I right think now. they're going to be better, 
just because I think they'll get better luck out or better health outcomes this year because they can't be much worse than they were last year in terms of their health outcomes. True. But there is a very likely scenario. It's the same kind of garbage, you know, fire that it was last year. And uh, and then can he get to 14 or 15, 16 wins? I don't know that he can. Minimum 150 innings last year. There were one, two, three, four, five. Five of the 22 guys that had a sub three ERA had a whip of 111 or higher. Yeah, it's a rarity. You got and you got guys like uh, Logan Webb, his defense failed him. You got Framber Valdez, who's a heavy ground ball guy, he's just going to have a higher whip in general. You've got Martin Perez, duh. Um, Jose Quintana, double duh. And I think that's it. I think those are all the guys. And then and then Cease. So there you go. Like it just doesn't. It just doesn't really happen. Now, he can get out of troubles because of his Ks, but I'd be careful here. I wouldn't pay the full price on Cs. Shane McClanahan, a lot of concern about him uh, during discussions at PitchCon because of the injuries in the second half. I get it. I'm not ignoring it, but I'm in on him long-term, man. I really like this guy, and I'm in on him in the short-term, too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in this year. I'm ready to go. With McClanahan, I guess I'm not as scared off by that. Uh, I don't think I'm matching the market. Let me get the numbers here as far as where he's going versus uh, my my rank. So he's nine. You have him seven. I'm 13. So I'm the low man here. But I do like McClanahan. You like him even more. So you're not so concerned about it either from the second half situation. Um, is that because he finished the season on the field, which is a big thing for us that we hi- highlight regularly? Yeah, I mean, he finished year, you know, pitching well on the field. I only projected him for 165 innings, though. So, like, okay. but I'm projecting him for really good 165 innings. Yeah, I did um, 177 and a little bit worse than than your your innings in terms of rates. Yeah, so I think he's a guy who is going to be very, very good when he when he is pitching. I expect him to pitch a, a fair amount. Um, I also think he is the type of guy and. I experienced this in a draft already this season where the entire room didn't like him. And so like I got him like kind of kept falling. Yeah. Like like I got him like in the fourth round, I think it was or something like that. And I'm like, okay, I didn't want to take a starting pitcher there, but I'm gonna, um, in that regard, either late third or early fourth. I can't remember exactly which, but either way, like giving them to me. Yeah. Like like he was like the 11th starter off the board or something like that. It was something crazy. Like, um, and in that case, like I'm not going to end up with a lot of him just because he's not going to fit into my normal strategy. But like I'm also not going to like turn away a free gift. And I think McClanahan is a gift as long as he's healthy, and we'll know pretty quick in spring. Like if he's if he's throwing with the right velocity in spring, mm-hmm. he may end up as a top five starter for me. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate too. And and there's a lot of guys like that that we're going to be talking about over the next coming days. That if they're ready to go we're going to be in on them uh, even higher than we are right now. I think we'll do one more group here, and then we do have to go. We do have a hard out because I have a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going to get as m- through many today. But, like, again, we're doing, like, 10 episodes on starters. It's probably what it's <laughs> going to end up being. Let's talk about the boring studs. They're very good, but nobody gets all, like, warm and fuzzy about them. Like, they're my guy. They're my ace. But if you get, quote, unquote, stuck with them, you're certainly not mad. Brandon Woodruff, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Kevin Gosman. Uh, let's start with Woody. In Philly, or in Philly, the other two guys are in Philly. Um, in Milwaukee, had a little bit of you know tumult there early in the year, and then had that thing where his fingers were going numb, and like, what's going on with that? Came out of it on the other end though, and was brilliant. Really took care of business down the stretch. Ended up putting up another wonderful season. Um, 153 innings, so a little bit light on the innings, but 238 ERA and a .98 WHIP in the second half. What do you think about B. Woody? And even though he cuts the figure of a workhorse. You know, 6'4", 245. We haven't seen it yet. 179 and a third is his high. Can we get that that 185-plus inning season out of Brandon Woodruff? And if so, do you believe it's this year? What do you think? Uh, I do. I do think it's this year. I've got him as my number four starter. Now, uh, he's another one of these guys like McLean that I'm going to be watching very, very closely in spring training. If there's any velocity issues, he could plummet. Right now I'm operating under the assumption that he is the guy that we saw in the second half um, and that he can, you know, be in another ace in that uh, Brewers rotation, just like Burns. But if there's any warning signs that something's not right, because we saw some warning signs in spring training last year and we all just said, oh, it's spring training. Well, now we have proof that, hey, it might not just be spring training. And Renaud's disease is something that, 
doesn't necessarily go away. Thank you for saying the name of it. Yeah. Uh, It's not something that necessarily goes away and people often have to manage it and it can be worse in colder locations. And he pitches in Milwaukee. Um, And I know while it's indoors, uh, that means he's also going to be pitching in places like Pittsburgh a lot and mm-hmm. uh, St. Louis and, April. and Cincinnati yeah. and yeah, in, in places that still sometimes get snow in April. So um, I, if there's any warning signs, he will plummet on my list. As of now, I'm totally fine with where he's going. I, I really, really love him, but keeping a very close eye on Woodruff. Okay. Brandon Woodruff, keeping tight eye on him. And uh, for the record, I have him 16th. You have him fourth. Fourth, you love Brandon Woodruff. Okay, I respect. If he it. if he is the guy that we saw in the second half, then he's a top five pitcher. Okay, I agree. I do agree with that. Um, I would love, and I would love the two. I still feel there's a 200 inning season in there. I put him for 180. I think you put him for 175, and yeah. then the market has him sixth. Okay, so then the two Philly guys, Aaron Nola and uh, Zach Wheeler, they just kind of keep getting it done. However, the defense is still concerning there. Trey Turner doesn't necessarily fix that all that much because, I mean, he's fine, but he doesn't he doesn't add a whole na- another element there. How do you feel about those two, Nola and Wheeler? Are you, are you just fine taking them? Do you have concerns about the defense that leads you away from them? Where do you stand? No real concerns about Nola. A little bit concerns about Wheeler and just the health. I mean, he's a guy who's had a really hard time staying on the mound consistently. And, like, I know people are just really excited by him, and I am too, but – uh, I was a little bit more conservative in terms of what I thought the overall picture might end up looking like. So he's outside of my top 10 starters. Whereas 19 Nola, for me. So we, we oh, agree wow. there. You're, you're yeah. 13. And I mean, he's 13 with 180 innings projected for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nola, I feel like, is about as safe as you can get once you get past um, a Burns and Wood or Burns and Cole. So. Uh, I agree. Like I, I really, really like Nola. He's probably going to end up as my SB one on a lot of teams. Okay, I, th- I think I think I agree with you on on all of that. There, we're right in lockstep with the market. Uh, Nola's seven. You have mate. I have nine. Nothing really to discuss yeah. there when it's that small of a change. And then, like I said, I'm lower on Wheeler, and I, I don't even know. Like it's not a negative. It's it's really just other guys ahead of him more than it is anything on him. I got him 19. You got him 13. The market's 13 as well. Let's talk about Kevin Gosman because his season was weird last year. That BABIP was through the roof, particularly at home. You know, maybe the turf is playing a bit of a role. Um, that's not some crazy hitter's haven. It's been pretty neutral ever since they put in the humidor, but his BABIP just stayed sky high. Um, I like him to rebound a bit there. I've got him 11. Market has him 16. You got him 19. So where where do you, where do you think you're you're coming out with Gosman with the park changes? Are you worried that that's going to hamper him uh, and keep the Babip high? Uh, you're, again, you're 19. This is kind of like your Zach Wheeler, where you're not you're not against him. At least I don't think so. Based on your projection here, it looks per, pretty perfectly fair. But you are lower than the market and much lower than myself because I'm I'm high. What do you think of Kevin Gosman? No, I mean the park change shouldn't really affect Gosman. I think the guy it might affect more is uh, is Manoa. Well, at least you didn't draft a whole bunch of him already. Yeah, right. Oh, wait. Uh, so, like, it's not like Gosman has, like, a huge fly ball rate or anything like that that I'm super worried about. And, uh, you know, the raising of the fences while bringing in should neutralize some of that uh, as mm-hmm. well. So, like, I'm not super worried about, like, the park having a huge effect on really anybody for the most part. I think the bigger issue is the turf that you mentioned. He's a guy that does rely on getting some ground balls. And uh, I think things go through the hole a lot more in Toronto than they did in San Francisco because of that grass and the infield defense that he got in San Francisco that was so good before he left, right? It was a really, really good defense, and then it fell apart last year after he had already left. So um, I'm just a little worried that the whip issues may continue to be a problem. He had a 124 whip. I do think that gets better, but maybe not back to like a pristine level. Um I think he's fine. Like I have no problem with Kevin Gosman where he's going, but he's just not. I'm not as excited as other people apparently are. There are a lot of people who are like, well, Kevin Gosman's an SP one you could get as SP two. I don't think that's the case. Uh, but I think uh, I think I know why he's so high for me. I gave him 14 wins. I didn't give very many guys like 14 that's, wins. That's because a problem. I, I put a 326 105. Like I'm not. Again, I'm not anti Gosman, but I'm not like holy shit. I love Kevin Gosman. But this ranking says I am because I'm five spots ahead of the market and eight spots ahead of you. So, again, I know we've repeated this refrain several times already this episode, but those those 
wins, man. You got to keep an eye on them. And I, I really just, for the aces, I kind of lived in the 13 to 14 range. And then, you know, the next and year, guys, it's going to be 10 to 12. Can I also interest you in raising his whip a little bit? Because the one, yeah. the 105 whip, he's only done that well once. Um, it was with y'all, right? And it was with San Francisco, you know, on the grass, with that really, what was a really good infield defense that year. Now he's in the AL East. Yeah, 105 is way too low. You're yeah, 100% I, right. So I think if you lower that whip or raise that whip a little bit, um, I have him for 13 wins. Toronto's going to be a very good team. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they're my favorite to win the World Series uh, this year, I like um, or, that. Or, or or win the American League. You're going um, out on a, a, I mean, that's not like a crazy limb, but it's like it's putting that out there though. You're not just picking a favorite. I, yeah, I like a lot of what they what they have there. So, uh, but so I think he could get 13, 14 wins for sure. But yeah, I think the whip is is kind of a little bit of an issue there. You're 100% right that that is definitely too low. I'm not going to keep it at the 124 from last year, but 105, like you said, I've got him go back to his career I, best. I have him at 111, I think, is what I All right. I, I think I'm going to be around there. I'm going to adjust. I'll, I'll look at the hit rate. Because you know, he does limit – Gosman limits walks very well. But I think <laughs> I, I think he can keep that. too low. Yeah. Um, because on that turf, it's tough too. Even if the Babbitt does come down, you're still talking about that turf that will make things – uh, mm -hmm. a bit more difficult so okay that's a good call there we'll go ahead and cap it here because like i said i got i got a work meeting coming up here um and i don't want to miss that but we will be talking a lot more we'll, we'll pick the pace up a little bit on the next episode so that way we can get through more but um we're talking starters now for the, probably the next two weeks at least like this these two episodes this week and then the two next week and then we'll see where we're at after that justin i hope you have a good one i hope you stay I hope you stay healthy. I hope you dodge those uh, those illnesses like the Matrix there, and then you can get out of the way of your kids a little bit. But uh, don't abandon them. You know, just talk to them from afar. Punish them yeah, from afar. Yeah, well, I'm going to show them an old trick from our youth, which is the two cans and a string thing. There you go. So, there you go. Yeah. If you need help, mm -hmm. call me on this thing. I don't. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I don't want to be talking to y'all. All right, yeah. Justin. I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Take it easy.